And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I'm Tony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, the weather's warming up, and uh, Casey and I are going to talk about one of our favorite summer uh, things to eat, and that's watermelon salad. But first, we're going to figure out how to buy a watermelon, Casey, and it's, uh, it's color-coordinated, I think. It is. We've got yeah. great tips for that. Okay, uh, we're going to be in the Okanagan today. We're going to stop by Miradoro Restaurant to, to speak with Jeff Van Geese. And uh, are we going to pry a couple of secrets out of him, Casey? He won't give us the recipes, but he has given us some very good hints about what he does. On pizza. Yes. The pizza is so good there. Uh, then we're back in Vancouver to speak with Lee Barkley. He's over at Per Se Social Corner. And uh, they have several new things that, uh, well, he's involved in several new things there, including a new food concept that they're launching in the restaurant. So we'll catch up with that. And we're going to ask him about dining outside in Vancouver. Uh, and finally, coming up next, Brett Thiessen. He's the manager of viticulture at Mount Bushery. He looks after about 300 acres of vines. And, uh, Casey, we're going to ask him whether he gets to taste wine as well as grow it. All that and more coming up next on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And we'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save On Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards. Plus, there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save On Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. The warm weather is here and Indigenous-inspired cuisine and much more awaits you in the beautiful Okanagan Valley. Spirit Ridge Resort in Isoyas is pleased to announce the reopening of the bear, the fish, the root and the berry with a brand new menu. Social distancing protocols are in place for your safety, so join them for breakfast, lunch and dinner in complete comfort. Please make your reservations at bearfishrootberry.com. Spirit Ridge Resort, part of the Unbound Collection by Hyatt. Visit spiritridge.ca. Kalmana Family Estate Winery would like to welcome you to visit their spectacular winery in the heart of the Okanagan's Golden Mile Bench. Guests can enjoy seated tastings of six of their signature wines for up to six people per reservation. Feel comfortable knowing that rigid social distancing and cleaning protocols are in place to ensure the utmost safety of staff and guests. Kalmana Family Estate Winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science. Open 10 to 5 daily. Call or visit kalmana.ca for reservations. Stuck at home? Planning your next getaway without the airfare? Think Therapy Vineyards. Imagine staying at the Inn on the Vineyard, overlooking Lake Okanagan and Giant's Head Mountain, sipping the latest releases all within steps of your luxurious boutique-style room. It's the ultimate wine lover's getaway without the flight. For a limited time, BC Food & Wine radio listeners can save on their stay at Therapy Vineyards. Just remember the code, Gizmondi, when you book online at therapyvineyards.com. Now back to BC Food & Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. Oh, I think that I found 
Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, great to have you with us today. Uh, it's a kind of a cool week in Vancouver, but the sun has been out. That's a good thing. Uh, I imagine it's a great thing for growing grapes, and our next guest knows a lot about that. Brent Thiessen joins us from uh, Mount Boucherie Winery in the Okanagan Valley. Brent, how are you today? Oh, I can't complain all the time. No one would listen, but uh, I'm doing great today, thanks. <laughs> yeah. You get some heat now up there? Oh, yeah. There's there's the odd cloud in the sky today, but we're we're kind of on schedule to roast again today. We've had about three weeks of it, so we, nice. we can't complain too much. I was listening to some California vintners talking about picking, starting to pick next week for sparkling wine and that. Are we on track, or are we ahead or behind, or how, what, what's happening at the moment? Well, the thought of that kind of scares me, but uh, for, for our site specifically, we're, we're still a few weeks away. Um, we've just started going through Verizon and a lot of the spots, kind of the hotter sites. But uh, I think for us, we're still, we're, we're on track for Okanagan standard, but uh, yeah, we're not quite there yet. Uh, so Mount Bushery, I know the winery's undergone quite a big change, but the there's been there's been a growing change also in the way that you're farming uh, acres now. Uh, you're managing uh, almost close to 200 acres of vines at the moment in five different vineyards. Is that uh, a fun task, or are you driving all day long? A uh, little bit of both. Uh, if you if you knock the highway time out of it, we're still working some incredibly long days. But uh, yeah, we've got five vineyards from West Kelowna. We've got one dead center in Okanagan Falls. Uh, the very southern tip of the Golden Mile Bench at our sister winery, Rust Wine Co. And then uh, over the mountain to the west, we've got uh, 80-acre property that's producing um, kind of almost 10 minutes off the the Washington border there, um, very far in South Coston. And we just broke ground on another 80 acres in kind of right in Coston, closer to Karameas there. Mm. So that's the Lazy River Vineyard, the one in South Coston then? That is, yeah. So we've got our Lazy River there, uh, South Rock on the Golden Mile Bench, Lost Horn Vineyard in Okanagan Falls, and then we've got the Estate Vineyard at Mount Boucherie in West Kelowna. Yeah. If if uh, I, I just I, I know it's impossible. I, I know that all vineyards are different, but in terms of the Similkameen, say versus what's in the Okanagan, can you explain any any big difference between those two valleys? Um. I mean, terroir is that big word that everyone's looking for, but uh, the soil's different, the exposure to sunlight's different. Uh, because of how sharp the mountains are to the west of us, we get really cool evenings and, and a nice wind that comes down. So um, on the Gold Mile Bench, we get lots of morning and afternoon sun. Um, same with what we get over in the Smilkmean at Lazy River. But because the sun goes behind those mountains to the west a little earlier, we get cooler temperatures. So that diurnal temperature swing uh, really gives us a chance to hold on to a lot of acid um, while while we get the development of sugar earlier in the day there. So um, I'd say the, the soil and the, the sunlight are kind of what make our properties so exceptional. Yeah. And you're involved in the Okanagan Similkameen Land Stewardship Project. What is that about, Brett? Um, so the original owners, um, well, I've got maps going back to 1938, and basically the Similkameen River used to run a lot closer to the highway. Um, then there was a big flood kind of in the early 40s that moved the river a little further west along the, the ridge of the mountain there. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically that riverbed was now dry. Um, a local farmer took it upon himself to pull a lot of the 
the trees and kind of deforest it and turn it into hayfield and pasture. Um, so that left a big spot of that, which is actually crown land because it was the original riverbed. So because we've got this really great land right on the new riverbed, um, we're, we're trying to figure out how we can, you know, give back a little bit. We've got uh, a pretty sensitive riparian zone there that we could try and grow fruit right up to the edge of the river, but that, that's just something we're not interested in. We don't want to worry about the flooding and there's way better things nature could do with that than we could by farming it. So um, right now what I'm trying to do is uh, uh, swap with the crown for that crown land that's in the center of our, our site by basically donating back and exchanging that riparian zone right on the river and, and giving back a little bit more than we're actually taking. So of that 80 acres, we only want to farm about 60 of it. Um, and the rest of it would be going back into natural habitat and wildlife passage. That sort of dovetails into you guys have been making a move towards uh, growing organic. You're, you're going slow. Can you explain that process and the way that you and winemaker Jeff uh, Huntermark are, are approaching that? Yeah. Um, basically, we just look at, you know, what, what you put into your vineyard goes into your fruit and what goes into your fruit goes into your wine. And we just want to be a little more transparent and a little bit uh, healthier and cleaner with what we're doing. And I know health is that big buzzword on healthy wine in the industry right now, but there's a lot of subtle things that you can do without throwing anyone under the bus. And really with my organic viticulture background, basically what we were trying to do is, is just, you know, farm a little bit more clean and organic doesn't always mean sustainable. They don't quite go hand in hand, but we just want to know that what we're putting into our fruit that's going to our consumers um, is just something that we would want to put into our bodies as well. And, and we're just going a little, little less intervention in some ways and, and not farming with anything systemic or synthetic. Um, so that we can, you know, do, do more good than harm to the ecosystems that we're farming in. Good to hear. Uh, Brett Thiessen is our uh, guest today. He's the manager of viticulture at Mount Boucherie Winery, which of course is located, uh, well, just (laughs) on the outskirts of Mount Boucherie up in uh, West Kelowna, uh, a very popular spot on the West Side Wine Trail. Brett, so do you get involved in, uh, in the, uh, wine tasting end of the winemaking because i know a lot of viticulturalists work closely with the winemaker and they talk about the changes in the vineyard and the changes in the wine is that something that's happening at mount boucherie absolutely actually just this last friday uh jesse our general manager jeff and ryan the two winemakers uh, myself our sales leader and our our cellar master we all got together and we sampled about 60 different uh benchmark wines from the okanagan valley blind against a lot of ours um, just to see, you know, is the yeah, style we're doing at. emulating what we, we see as uh, as what we should be doing. And, and we were really pleasantly surprised. Um, I, I'm not a winemaker. I'm a farmer, but I have years of buying and selling wine in, in other markets that um, I kind of have an idea of what people are looking for. And I really try and emulate that into uh, what I'm doing in the vineyard uh, as far as how I manage. Yeah. I've got, I, I have about 40, 43 years of tasting sort of globally, but the last 30 years, uh, when I first started to really pay attention to the Okanagan, I really struggled to, to sense what it was. But in the last five years, I have really noticed, I think that I'm much more confident in saying, well, that's an Okanagan wine or that's a Similkameen wine because of <clears throat> some of these key uh components that are starting to show up in the wine because the wines are becoming more transparent i guess they're telling the story of where they're growing and i think that's a, an important step 
for the valley as it moves forward to be you know instead of being natural or organic i i prefer to just be able to tell the story where it comes from absolutely um we we do get to have that differentiation between the okanagan and the Similkameen valley we noticed that a lot of our fruit that comes from the Milkameen uh, is a little bit more vegetal, herbaceous, um, a little bit uh, green's not the characteristic, but you can just taste the difference between, you know, the sun-soaked Okanagan versus yeah. kind of that um, that fresh, fresh and ripe, different style, like not quite as concentrated over there. So yeah. I, Mineral, I definitely dusty. think that, yes, absolutely. And I think that has a big part to do with, you know, the exposure to the sun and and what's in our soil there because when you when you just blanket everything with high heat, you get a lot more sugar. And over there, because we get a little cooler temperature, um, that acid really shows and it just makes everything kind of punch a little different. So, Brett, we're going to ask you to put on your hospitality hat for a minute. So the, the new winery is, is now uh, functioning and uh, you're open for visits. Are they by... Uh, are they by uh, reservation now or group size you know any of that sort of thing yeah so um the the new wine shop up in west Kelowna is uh by reservation only if for some reason we are really slow uh we'll we'll take in some walk-ins but so far we haven't had that issue of being slow and then our restaurant the modest butcher as well um that is by reservation only but our sister winery rust down on the gold mile bench uh, that one is, you know, come as you are, and we make sure we keep everyone distant and safe, and uh, and we just take walk-ins there. Yeah, and uh, people are behaving themselves. They seem to be. I mean, for by by the end of the sixth class, people change a little, but for the most part, it, it's great. We've got <laughs> uh, we've moved a lot of tables onto the lawn and have a big patio area that we keep everyone separate and. You know, people go off and take their pictures with their own groups, and and you know yeah. they're doing they're doing what we can ask for. That's for sure. I love well, your labels. Hope. Thank you. Yeah, I wish I could take credit for those, but that's someone way smarter than me. Yeah, they're beautiful. <laughs> New labels from Mount Boucherie. Uh, Brett, it's been really fun to have a quick chat with you, and I know that we're going to try our best to uh, be up there in uh, September. We hope that all goes smoothly, and we look forward to checking out the new premises and uh, tasting some of the wines at at at, uh, at Mount Boucherie. Now, for our listeners, uh, mountboucherie.com, lots of information there on how to get a reservation. Uh, it's $10 for the tasting. Uh, the money's refunded if you purchase wine, so it's all a good setup. Just be safe. Thanks so much for joining us today, Brett, and uh, we uh, hope we see you soon. Yeah, thank you very much. Let me know when you're coming by, and we'll make sure we do some tasting together. Great. Uh, Brent Thiessen, he's the manager of Viticulture, looking after almost 200 acres now in the uh, Okanagan Valley and the Similkameen Valley for Mount Boucherie. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We're going to take a quick break, but plenty more coming up next on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, and we'll speak with Lee Barkley. He's uh, uh, the front of the house and executive psalm at Per Se Social Corner. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. 
the upper bench of BC's Similkameen Valley. For those in the know, it's a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. And it's here, nestled in a sun-laden, stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos de Winery. Surrounded by an idyllic organic vineyard using natural ferments and small art artisanal winemaking, they produce elegant and age-worthy wines that reflect their unique land. You can find Clos de wines in fine wine shops and restaurants across the province or order online at clodesole.ca. Calling all winemakers, craft brewers, cider makers, or artisan distillers. Canada's first wine village is coming and you could be a part of it. Located at the gateway to Canada's wine capital in Oliver, the village provides turnkey low capital production facilities that are available for lease starting now. But with space for only 16 artisan producers, the time to act is now to be part of history and start crafting your unique story. To learn more, visit districtwinevillage.com. The Wine Experience Center at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery is waiting for you. Welcome to the new home of hospitality in the Okanagan. The wine shop is open for tastings, and the Modest Butcher Restaurant is ready to welcome you with the best dining experience in Okanagan wine country. Reservations are required for tastings and dining. For the safety of guests and staff, extra cleaning, sanitation, and physical distancing protocols will also be in place. For more information and updated developments, please visit mtboucherie.com. Hillside Winery is here to serve you, BC. We're offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We want to make getting your favorite Hillside wines easy. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Our next guest, Lee Barkley, is the director of the front of the house and the exec psalm at Per Se Social Corner. You'll find that at the uh, Corner Homer and Smythe in the old Zubies. Uh, joining us now is Lee. Lee, how are you? Fantastic. Great to be here with you guys. Uh, great to have you. Great to have you in the city. I imagine that's a big, ch- big change in your life. Uh, from uh, well, let's let's start from Europe to Whistler to downtown Vancouver, and to being yeah. my neighbor, uh-huh. Lee. That's right. That's right. I get the pleasure <laughs> of seeing Casey on a regular basis now. Coming in for a late night coffee. It's great. Yeah, it's been, a, sympathy, it's been a, it's been, it's <laughs> been, <laughs> thank you, Tony. No, Casey's lovely. Um, it's, it's certainly been a whirlwind and, and, uh, it makes this last sort of two years feel like it's, uh, actually been more like six, um, living yeah. in several different lifetimes. It feels um, between Bordeaux, London, Whistler and, and downtown Vancouver in the last two years. Um, it's, uh, it's been lots of changes, lots of, uh, adapting to be made for sure, but it's been very exciting. Well, yeah, well, you're in the middle of it. Let's start there. Obviously, COVID's had a big impact on restaurants uh, everywhere around the world. Uh, so, how has it changed your the way that you look at the business, or how how do you how are you managing every day to run a business with COVID? Well, it's, first of all, very hard for everybody, and so I think one of the most important things for us all to realize is is rather than quickly falling into that um, men, mental state of woe is me and this is hard for me you know it's hard for everybody and so it's just trying to work together uh really have that family and and team mentality with with regards to business and and uh 
you know, I thought the challenge is that since cash flow is so so small, we have to really put in the extra hours now um, and do those double shifts as much as we can to try and stimulate uh, our business. And and uh, I'm trying really hard to to extend what we can do in the restaurant to hire more people in to try and you know get people working again. Uh, yeah. One of those benefits is having you know our temporary patio extension, which hopefully will be permanent. Yeah. Uh, able to well, hire some more staff to manage that part of the restaurant, which has been uh, a positive, positive change. I think just you know driving around and seeing all these outdoor patios makes me feel better. It makes me feel more like I'm in Europe, and I'm wondering uh, huh. why it why it wouldn't uh, evolve into that as a permanent thing. I know it's all temporary according to the city and all that, but really, uh, it makes a big difference in the city. Seeing sure people does. outside, I feel like we're we're seeing more foot traffic too, which is nice. Uh, having all these patios now on what was meter parking. Uh, I, I certainly feel less, less what, what feels to me like less uh, car traffic and a lot more foot traffic and, and yeah. people sit down, take a minute, take a second to breathe. And, and even though we've done appropriate two meter spacing across the restaurant with about only 40% seating as before, uh, people still feel much more comfortable sitting outside. And so having more patio space has allowed for us to receive and welcome a lot more guests. Yes. And tell us about social, because there's been some big changes since I moved into the area. And I just love what's happened at the social corner. But tell us, you've got a new focus on food and wine coming up. Yeah, good question, Casey. It's, uh, it's been a very fun project for me to come on board with, because it's, it's had uh, so many different faces, I think, over the years, and it's had so many different ideas. It's it's, it's a multi-concept restaurant, first of all, with uh, Italian pizzeria, uh, Spanish tapas bar, and then a cafe and gelato panini bar, if you like. And uh, not to mention uh, real to, wines. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> like well, real you know, wines, I, folks. <laughs> real wine. Real wine. Yeah. Um, what, what the chef and I have tried to push towards here is, is really bringing out more of the Spanish concept. We feel like there's not a lot of that in the city. Um, and, you know, great places like Sardine Can had to close down with COVID and, and there's not so many options anymore. Uh, in fact, we have the old chef from Sardine Can now working with us. And so we're, we're really doing a lot more of a Spanish push. We've uh, got some great suppliers from Spain bringing in some incredible Iberico quality chorizo sausages, actually, which we're doing um, nice. just grilled and also incorporated into our uh, own uh, homemade paella recipe. Can you put mm. together a takeout package for me? <laughs> this sounds <laughs> fabulous. Yeah. I love the idea of the Spanish concept. I'm going to use David Schofield. I'm going to use David Schofield's old line that there is no wine that isn't better with sausages. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that, but that sounds like a really good thing. <laughs> it is a good it's, thing, believe me. <laughs> uh, I haven't uh, done it, too many pairings with with uh, Spanish food, so this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it it fits the time too, and you know the being outside right now and doing tapas. I mean, that whole tapas hour in Spain, it's not an hour; it goes on, uh, you know, until oh, dinner definitely. time, which is like five till eleven before dinner. So it's a, I think we could get into that uh, very easily. It would be kind of fun. And Homer and Smythe is really turning into a restaurant corner. Absolutely, yeah. We're really happy to have some new neighbors bringing in some new attention to our uh, our little corner of uh, downtown in Yaletown sort of the, the, the cross points. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the, the vibe certainly is, is getting much more lively and people are feeling more and more relaxed to come out. But, of course, there's still a challenge because you have the guests that are not 
as comfortable and and uh, you know we're trying to be very sensitive with all wearing masks. We have very regular disinfecting uh, runs at the restaurant and and um, yeah, most yeah. most for the most part guests have been very patient, uh, but there certainly are some that have been difficult. So yeah. Our guest is Lee Barkley. He's the director of the front of the house in the exec psalm at uh, Per Se Social Corner. At there at the corner of Homer and Smythe. Now you have you can dine in. You also have uh, takeout, and uh, yes. can is that it's easy to do that too. Is that all done online? Yes, we have several different partners. We have our own website which you can order from. It's uh, done all through Xdine, and we, it's very very easy. We also collaborate with Uber Eats, Skip the Dishes. Um, so uh, that's very easy. And DoorDash as well. One of the popular yeah. ones, of course, is the pizzas to go. Um, yeah. Those are quick and easy and fabulous. You know, very traditional 36-hour cold ferment uh, Italian pizza dough uh, wow. with a wide range of recipes. In fact, we've just launched a new Spanish-style pizza to fit our concept uh, called Brava with uh, uh, a chipotle sauce, spicy potatoes, um, the sweet Spanish peppers, the piquillos, and then uh, chorizo again. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm interested. I know that you have the you also have the right to sell uh, liquor with takeout. Is that is that happening much? Are people requesting that? No, we have the right to do it. Yes, and I've been offering it essentially at cost, but it's just not been not been a thing. People, I think, feel more comfortable going to pick up at the liquor store. Or um, yeah. yeah, well, they're probably so really shocked. Expected. Yeah, I, I expected that with the with the change, we'd see a lot more of it, but it really hasn't been a big trend. Because the prices um, are amazing yeah. for wines to well, yeah. take out from restaurants now. Especially with us moving towards a Spanish concept, of course, you know, there's so many great value Spanish wines. Um, you know, coming from working with a lot of the high-end wines in my previous position, doing a lot of Brunellos and Barolos and Amarone now, with wonderful Rioja and wines from La Mancha, Castellón, Bierzo. Uh, I mean, there's some great quality wines at very, very affordable prices. Yeah. People should take advantage. And you're opening up a yeah. new restaurant. Tell us about that. Absolutely. We're very, very excited. Um, what uh, our owners um, uh, certainly got in spades is his creativity and vision. Uh, I, I walked into the space uh, in the beginning of June and, and saw uh, the construction underway. And I could start to piece together what he had in in, in store, and uh, it's something that I I've, I've never seen before, having worked in in several places across the world. And I think this is going to be something that no one's seen in Vancouver or maybe even Canada. Uh, again, a multi-concept restaurant, uh, only Italian food this way, but multi-concept uh, for various different themes. Mm. Um, we're very excited. We're hoping to open for mid-September. Construction is going to be finished up in a few weeks here. And uh, I've got this the is core team in place. From, yeah, this is across from the uh, the old post office, right? The the new That's Amazon right. so building. Kitty corner to the library. Yeah. Uh, when you sit on the, uh, we have a mezzanine. Um, we're building a patio as well outside. You have a front row seat to Vancouver's own uh, Roman amphitheater, yeah. <laughs> which has inspired our southern Italian. It's pretty focus. cool. Do you have a yeah. name yet? Yeah. yeah, it will be Water and Flower. Water and Flower, great name. Nice. Great name. Yeah, yeah. A name that we launched actually in the Social Corner concept. Again, it's a multi-concept with the uh, Water and Flower Pizzeria, the Rosalinda uh, Spanish Bar, and then Chiclo Espresso. So the, the name was already branded here, and then we're elevating it there to a more fine dining, uh, southern Italian-style restaurant. 
Lee, you're going to be busy all winter, uh, like it or not. You're yeah. going to be in the thick of it, which is kind of kind of fun for a guy like you, I'm sure. And things very, are very changing exciting. for media. Um, I've been invited to a media event next week, and this is the first one since February 29th. Oh, wow. So I'm happy to, hear. to see I'm glad things. to hear that it's happening again. Yes, Good. me too. Yeah, Lee, one of the things that I miss is uh, meeting meeting with uh, winemakers. You know, I've... I had oh, almost yeah. weekly visits from winemakers from across the world coming to meet yep. and taste and share their passion. And we managed to maintain that through uh, live video feeds and chats, and we still do it to an extent. But yeah, uh, with but business resuming, it's been same. hard to find the time. I know, it is yeah. the same. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a long run, but as you say, everybody has their challenges. So I think uh, together we just move ahead and, uh, you know, we, we keep COVID in mind, but we have to live our lives and we have to keep moving. So. Yeah, we wish absolutely. you, uh, yeah. We wish you the best down at Social Corner with the new restaurant, Liam. We'll catch up with you when it opens uh, later in the fall for sure. Thanks for Thank joining so much, us today. Thank yeah, you. really great to My have you pleasure. on the show. See you soon. Thanks, Lee. Lee Barkley. He's the director of the front of the house, and he's the exec som. He's a real som, folks. A uh, big time som. Has won many awards in Bordeaux and Europe uh, at Per Se Social on the corner of Homer and Smythe. We're going to take a quick break, but we're heading right back up to the Okanagan, and we're going to catch up with Jeff Van Geest. He's the executive chef at Miradora Restaurant at Tinhorn Creek. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And we'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save On Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards. Plus, there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save On Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. Barb Holler, owner of Poplar Grove Winery in the Okanagan. When I look out over our vineyards, I think of the potential. The potential for improvement. How can I do things differently? How can I be more sustainable? How can I do things that improve viticulture practice? And bottom line, how can it improve the wine? Poplar Grove, available at private fine wine stores. Join the wine club at poplargrove.ca. Please enjoy responsibly. Rediscover the South Okanagan good life at Watermark Beach Resort Asoyas Hotel and Conference Centre. Just steps to everything. The beach, shopping, the marina and great dining at the restaurant at Watermark. New executive chef Nick Atkins invites you to indulge your senses with bright new flavours inside or on the newly expanded lakeside patio. Featuring new health and safety protocols and procedures. Reservations are highly recommended. Celebrate the South Okanagan. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com. Black Hills Estate Winery invites you to raise a glass with them this summer to celebrate their 20th anniversary season. Make sure to join them on the sun-soaked patio for a sampling of their premium wines. Or, if you can't make it out this summer, then don't forget to check out their popular virtual tasting program online. For reservations or for more information, visit them at blackhillswinery.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Say I keep 
Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Our next guest is uh, none other than Jeff Van Geese. He's the executive chef at uh, Mirador Restaurant. has been there uh, forever. Uh, and uh, I, I didn't actually know, Jeff, that you grew up in St. Catharines, a stone throw from uh, my home in Hamilton. Uh, oh, yeah. You're much, you're much younger. But we used to drive out there on Sunday afternoon to buy some jam. That was before there was wine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was pretty bucolic, I guess, or bucolic. Uh, and you're a John Bishop graduate. I am, yeah. Kind of, sort of. That's a great place to learn how to do stuff in the kitchen, I think. Absolutely. The kitchen and just, I mean, service in general and, and just yeah. how to do things right and treat people right. Yeah. You see, I, I sense that when I'm in your restaurant that everybody in there, I mean, of course you have Manny out front as well, Manuel Ferreira, but you guys really look after the guests. And uh, I'm wondering what kind of a challenge that is now in uh, these times with the coronavirus, how that's, if it's changed or intensified or how has how, how that relationship gone now with the guest? I mean, we've obviously we've had to set up uh, different ways of doing things, um, but we really put a lot of thought into it in the beginning about how to make it still feel welcoming and um, give people a great experience. Um, yeah. I think we try and be really clear about what the expectations are and, and what, what they can expect when they come in. Um, just be consistent and... Uh, being patient yeah, well, with people and understanding, you know, everyone's navigating this. Uh, no one has any. There's no precedent for it, obviously. So yeah. yeah, most people don't have the view you have, though. That can uh, smooth That's things enough. over while you're waiting. Absolutely, Jeff. I think yeah. you have the busiest restaurant in the Okanagan. Yeah, I don't have the numbers to prove that, but uh, it feels like it right now. And and no, you I did. Know. You never did close, did you? No, we didn't. Uh, we did takeout for uh, for the lockdown until uh, until we entered the next stage, and then uh, we we kept doing takeout for about a week while we set up to reopen, so we could do it properly. Yes, mm. good idea. My daughter and her family were up in uh, Oliver Soyuz, and they make pizza at home. And they said, "Where can we go for good pizza?" So I sent them to Miradoro, and they have not stopped raving about it. So I wondered if you could give our listeners some tips on making pizza at home. Absolutely. Well, um, first of all, thanks for the recommendation. Um, I guess, like, I, I'm not going to hand out my resume. Or, sorry, my, my, res- <laughs> my recipe. Um, you got to come and work for, uh, for us for a bit to get that recipe. <laughs> but it is a Neapolitan pizza recipe. Um, what we like to do is give it a, a two or three day cold ferment in the fridge, which means we carry a huge inventory of doughs, but they sit in the fridge and they get um, better texture and flavor as they sit there. Um, and then when we cook them a couple days, uh, two or three days later, they're, uh, they've kind of just conditioned a little bit. Um, That's a great flour. tip. Yeah, no, and, and that's great, too, because if you're doing it at home, then you can prepare in advance, you know. Yes. You can make it a few days ahead, and then when it's your weekend or whatever, when you're making pizza, then it's uh, it's all ready to go for you. And then you just have to pull it out maybe an hour and a half or two beforehand to, to proof it a little bit, depending on how warm or cool it is. Um, double zero pizza flour is important. Um, really, the, the pizza dough, like any Neapolitan pizza dough recipe, is, is just the, you know, three ingredients, flour, water, 
and yeast, um, salt, obviously, as well. We put a little bit of olive oil in ours. It just gives a little bit of crackle to the crust. And, uh, you know, um, in your oven or, or, or barbecue or whatever at home, a pizza stone is, is what you're going to want. So you have that preheated pizza stone that's going to help it spring up nicely in color and whatnot. And would you put that your, your oven at the highest temperature possible? Mm, I, at home, yeah. Yes. Definitely. But you yeah. know what I, I love uh, when I look at your menu of pizzas? There's a lot of thought that's gone into the toppings, like the pancetta with smoked mozzarella. What a fabulous combination. Yeah, thanks. And and we've sold thousands of those. That's been on since the beginning, and that's our, our biggest seller. Yes. And I said to my daughter, oh, my God, when they were up there, it was like 104 degrees. And um, I said, you know, did you sit on the deck? She said, no, we didn't, but they have misters on the deck. So, you know, it definitely, you, you know, is a lot cooler than it would mm-hmm. be without them. Yeah, and a huge overhang, too. It was really, the building was designed for the, uh, for the climate. Yes. It's, it's a beautiful building. Yeah, it, it's stunning. I mean, I remember the first day I, I walked onto the property to, to view it while it was still under construction, and you could just see what it was going to become. So you're, uh, one thing about, you got this fantastic lunch menu. How long is lunch at Miradoro? Like, well, how long can you, uh, if you're touring in that, when can you get the last bites for lunch? Yeah, we go till 4 o'clock. Then we uh, take wow. a little break for reservations for about half hour, 45 minutes, and yeah. we can get ready for dinner. And uh, so, yeah, till, till 4 o'clock. Normal circumstances, we would do lunch till 3 and then do tapas from 3 to 5 and go right through. Yeah. Um, we decided this year with uh, everything that was going on just to simplify what we were offering. Um, right. And that's gone well for us. Yeah. Um, it's just I think it's better for everyone involved just to keep things more simple. There's less, just less exposure and less, I don't know, it, it just simple seem to be the way to uh, navigate this yeah what about uh, we hear a lot about staff in in terms of picking and fruit picking and grapes and working in the vineyard how about in the restaurant i mean it's always been tough to get staff uh, how has it been this year uh yeah it's been um i think we've been one of the luckier restaurants around i talked to my chef friends and everyone's uh, struggling to get staff right now um it's been we weren't sure you know like uh, obviously no one was sure how this was going to go um, I kind of thought when, when we reopened and some restaurants were going to wait and, and whatnot and 50% capacity that there'd be all kinds of staff around, but uh, it's been quite the opposite. Hmm. But you have an interesting staff member. You have uh, Sandra and Ken Oldfield's daughter, Melody, who's, who works during the day, yeah. I believe. That's right, yeah. Keeping, uh, keeping the legacy going. Yes, bussing tables. Great, yeah. great experience. Absolutely. And it makes they, everyone you know, for these young kids and the experience they get in restaurants. They might not see it as a career, but it just transfers to you know real life so well. It sure yeah. does. One of the Learning best the things you can do. Yeah. How are you? Uh, how are you, I know that you're big with. Uh, you've been very big on local producers getting uh, getting your hands dirty out there in the farm and all that. How are your connections uh, making out during these times too? Yeah, from what I can see, I mean, I mean it was. It was interesting at first. People, some people planted less because they weren't sure how it was going to go, and some people planted their normal amounts. Um, 
it sounds like from what I see, everyone has been really busy. You know, there's the lack of uh, like a full on farmer's market like there has been in Penticton um, yep. where people sell a lot of stuff. It, it, there is a farmer's market there, but it's a really controlled um, capacity and whatnot. So I don't think they're selling as much there. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. But the impression I get from talking to most of my farmers is, is that uh, everyone's doing really well. And uh, people seem to be like CSA boxes and stuff like that, the, the organic delivery things seem to yeah. have picked up. I think people, while they were in lockdown, sort of put a lot of thought into food security and, and how they're going to eat and what they're going to eat and whatnot. So it actually yeah. seemed to be a positive for a lot of the uh, local organic farmers. Great. I'm I'm yeah. a little disappointed. Like, my local market is not yet. I have not seen tomatoes yet. What's going on with tomatoes this year? Are they, are they not that good or they're not out yet? Or what's happening in the Okanagan? Well, I mean, the thing about tomatoes is, you know, it feels like it is a, well, it is a summer, uh, summer produce, but it's not early summer. And, you know, every year you feel like you should be eating them in July. But really, I mean, some years we get them in July from our farmers here in the Okanagan. And, and usually it's like very end of July, beginning of uh, August when we really start to see them. And that, that's just mm. the way the season is. This season feels a little bit later than normal. We did have a cool, wet spring here, just like everywhere else. Um, so I'd say it's maybe a couple weeks behind, week or two behind, but uh, it's, it's pretty normal to not get tomatoes until the second half of the summer. Hmm. I yeah. feel the Good same tip. way. It lets, uh, I don't know. I always think September, they're just perfect. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, and then some years, like I've had them till almost November. Wow. You know, if it's a, if it's a mild fall, um, it's incredible how late they can go uh, when, when the weather cooperates. I can't wait. I can't wait to come back and have some of that venison bolognese. Uh, uh, there's so many great things on your list that I'm missing at the moment, but I'm sure that I'm going to make it up there for the fall and uh, have a couple of dinners. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to hear from you. Uh, uh, please say hello to Manny for us and uh, and your staff, and we hope everybody uh, keeps well and strong through the fall season. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chef Jeff. See you soon. That was uh, Chef Jeff Van Geese. Uh, long history, Casey. Of course, you know him from uh, Main Street, uh, Aurora Bistro. Bishops, uh, too. Yeah, bishops. And uh, took went up there with his kids to raise his kids. Great idea. Doing a fantastic job at Miradoro. Uh, that's at the Tinhorn Creek Winery. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break, but we're not quite done. Casey and I are going to come back and talk about watermelon uh, a watermelon salad, and the hardest of all, if you think asparagus is hard to match with wine, a watermelon is right up there. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Have the extraordinary organic wines of Summerhill Pyramid Winery in the pristine Okanagan Valley delivered to your door. When you become an organic ambassador, a portion of every purchase you make at Summerhill goes back into your account, which you can use towards future purchases anytime. Share the love with your friends to earn even more credits. Find out more about Summerhill Pyramid Winery's organic ambassador program and order online by visiting summerhill.bc.ca. 
Tin Horn Creek Vineyards has opened its doors. Visitors are welcome to stop by the wine shop for both sales and tastings. The award-winning Miradoro restaurant is now also open for table service and takeout. Reservations are required. Can't make it in? Take advantage of free shipping on orders over six bottles or send wine to someone you love to show them you're thinking of them. Curbside pickup is also available for online and phone orders. For full details and the latest updates, please visit tinhorn.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we're, uh, we're the, well, it's August, and it's the best time of the year to uh, eat watermelon in B.C. And <laughs> it's the I, only time. <laughs> I mean, Tony, I remember well, that growing up in Winnipeg, and I'm sure in Hamilton. Boy, that was a yeah. big deal when we got a watermelon. Oh, man. And they were huge, as they I were recall. Huge. You, you couldn't even lift them up. Uh, you can get a little smaller ones now, more intense ones. So we're going to start with uh, how to select a watermelon. Uh, if you don't know these tips, folks, you, you'll be completely shocked. And if you know them, well, bear with us for a couple of minutes because uh, you, you stand around people, especially in these times now, trying to find uh, their, the watermelon they want. And they're going through the whole bin. Casey, let's start there, finding the right melon. Well, I think the first tip is to look for one that's heavy for its size. So that means yep. you're going to be picking up a few of them before you choose. Yep. And they usually have a pale patch on their resting side. Yeah. And what you want is um, sometimes it's yellow, sometimes it's white, and if it's... Um, sometimes it's dark yellow. Yeah, so you want to choose one where it's more yellow than white. That yep. just shows some maturity. It's riper. Yeah. Yeah, it shows that it's riper. And, there, and that's when sugar happens. Yeah. And also, uh, Casey, while you're doing that, often people look at them and uh, and by the way, the ones with the shiny uh, shiny appearance, they're the least ripe. So you know, people who buy the greenest, shiniest ones with the nice stripes on them, they're getting they're getting the least ripe melon. So don't do that. It's better to have a dull looking one. But uh, what I've learned about this dark yellow spot, if you turn it around, Casey, you might see some black dots in there at the bottom. Yes. And you think, oh, I don't know, that looks like mold or something. That's actually sugar that has been is trying to make its way out of the melon. That's another great sign that uh, that watermelon is super ripe. So uh, you well, get a darker Tony, yellow, black spots, and away you go. I should have a lot of black spots on my body then. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, I you're love sugar. You're thinking you're sweet? I love oh, sugar. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, well. you know, everybody thumps a watermelon, and that's a good thing. Um, yeah. They kind of vibrate like a drum when you do that. So you may need to thump and buy and taste a few before you get the feel for this, but once you do, the sensation of that is easily recognized. Yeah, this, just by the sound alone. It's kind of like pouring wine. I know when to stop. That's and right. All the, all the glasses are level because of the sound when uh, when you're pouring in. Now, here's the question. This is the one that really confuses me sometimes. It's cutting watermelon. You know, how do you cut a watermelon? A lot of people do, you know, cut a slice and then they put them in sort of pie shape shapes. Uh, but other people think that we should cut them into sticks or cubes. Uh, not me. I think 
start with a quarter wedge of a watermelon and then using a sharp knife you just make horizontal cuts down to the rind about one inch inter intervals and um, you want to angle the knife so it's parallel to the opposite flat surface of the wedge and then just keep repeating that and make even vertical cuts on the watermelon and you can also scoop the cubes into a bowl and they keep about two days in the refrigerator Oh, yeah? There's also... What, soaked in vodka, probably, yeah, in your refrigerator. Yeah, no, tequila at my place. <laughs> but if you want to check out a video, go to foodandwine.com, and uh, they've got some great uh, tips on cutting watermelons with the okay. mad genius. So now we've got a good one, and we got her cut up. How, what about this salad? How, how, or how are we going to serve it? What's oh, your suggestion? Feta cheese, for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, that seems... I don't know. I think that um, melon and feta always surprises non-Greeks, but it's it's a favorite summer um, appetizer with ouzo in Greece. So yeah. you might want to, Tony, I'd love to oh, see Oh, well, any chance to use ouzo, the Greeks are in on that. Exactly. So. And boy, I've never had as much fun as I have drinking, as I have when I drink uh, <laughs> That is ouzo. just too much booze. By the way, I'm uh, I'm partial now to cucumber in my watermelon. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, you know they're from the same family, and they have they have a certain affinity. So it's kind of interesting when you mix the two of them together. Uh, it's a it's sort of symbiotic, and it uh, it goes well. And of course, with the feta and everything else. Uh, and can we have some pine nuts? I think we can. Eh? Well, let's talk a little bit about feta. I don't know if you know where the word what the word means, Tony. Uh, I always think it means uh, something nasty, but no, it means slice. Slice. Yeah. So, which is typically the way you buy it, and when you buy feta, buy it from a store that keeps it in its brine. Because if you yeah. go to a supermarket, you know, often it's just wrapped in a plastic wrap. If yeah. it hasn't got any brine, you can make one at home by dissolving uh, about a quarter cup of sea salt in a quart of water. Mm -hmm. That works really well. Okay, well, that gives you the lovely, uh, the lovely salad, uh, some olive oil, salt, pepper, whatever, up to you. Uh, I'm. Th it's not an easy dish to match. No, I, I couldn't believe it when you you were like totally into matching wine with watermelon. What did, <laughs> you, what did you figure out? Well, I think in the end, uh, I mean, I, I've tried many different things, Gruner Veldliner. I've tried, you know, those northern Italians like Grillo and, uh, you know, uh, Spanish wines from Rueda, white wines. But I think the best wine truly is uh, rosé. Yes. And a slightly, at least not sweet, but mild or, or riper style of rosé. And I think the very best is still from Provence for this match. So it has the right sort of texture and acidity, not too much acidity and not too much sweetness. So anyway, I'm, I'm in favor of a rosé. You can, you can uh, try the ones you want. What I about Cava? I don't think the acidity like I, I I've tried them with sparkling wine, but I don't I don't enjoy them like that. Okay. I'd rather drink the bottle before the salad came out. I'm okay with that. Yes. Or I would pick off the the pine nuts and the cheese and have a sip, not so much with the watermelon. If you know right. what I mean? That's right. pretty strange to do that, but sometimes the cheese will help. It definitely helps to to make that match. 
So if I'm looking for one, you know, there's a new wine out, Casey, in BC. Uh, it's not particularly cheap uh, from a winery called the French Door. Yes, I was there. Yes. Yeah, that rosé is fantastic. It is. Uh, it's thirty dollars a bottle, but it's a very interesting, and I think it, was, it would be a perfect match uh, with watermelon uh, at the high end. Uh, now you could, you you know, there's so many others. One of my favorites is uh, the La Stella La Stellina Rosata, Rosato they call it, uh, sort of an Italian style. That's a Cab Franc Merlot Sangiovese blend, but I think that would also work well with watermelon. Uh, maybe one of the best, and and frankly, one of the cheapest in in British Columbia is the Barche Brothers Rosé. That's a Merlot, which sounds okay. Yeah, Merlot and Chardonnay and Gewürztraminer, and that little hit of Gewürztraminer makes a difference in that wine. So, you can buy that. And I'm as far as I know, it's still available in BCLDB stores. That means it's all over the place at seventeen ninety nine, and it was even marked down. Um, or I guess it's marked down to that recently for the summer. It was really good buy. Colmena has two great rosés, but I'd go for the $19 one, the R&D. Yes. Uh, yeah, just so delicious. It, you know, it's a kind of a rhubarb raspberry thing with peaches and oranges and the right color. And so uh, all of these wines are fun. Uh, and another bargain one is the Mayhem Rosé. It's under $20. Uh, Mayhem is made by uh, Jack Myers. Uh, sister, isn't it? Sister. Yes. Yeah. Uh, used to be at Anarchist Mountain. Uh, she's got a nice lineup of wines there, and that rosé is very nice as well and inexpensive. But there have been a lot of good ones this year in B.C., so uh, there's plenty to choose from. Uh, Clos de Soleil is another great one. Uh, La Vue Pant has a lovely one. Uh, it, they just go on and on. Uh, the Mission Hill Reserve is a fantastic one at twenty one ninety nine. A uh, bit savory. So all of those work well. And I think uh, for our listeners this weekend, I'm, they're telling me it's going to be 29 degrees on the weekend. Oh, wow. Uh, even in the lower mainland. So this would be the time to have that salad. Yeah, along with a mister. I better get that one for my deck. Yeah. Let's just mention $30 wines. Like, you know, I think sometimes it's really interesting just to go into that price range, just to see the difference. Hmm. And... Uh, just uh, drink less. Mean, yeah. Like well, buy a beautiful uh, rosé. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, drinking less is always good. Drinking better and drinking less is good. I mean, yes. less because why you can't spend more money. But, you know, Casey, I've been getting a number of uh, emails, letters, what, however you want to communicate with me, from older uh people across the province complaining about the price of wine and asking me what the, I recommend in a box. Uh, yes. One, because they live in condos, it's, uh, it's, it's hell for them going up and down right now and trying to get rid of bottles and everything else and so much easier to get rid of cardboard. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking into it. They want BC wine. I don't think you're going to find much in BC because the price of the wine is so high. But but I'm going to try and track down. Uh, there's a number of international boxes, like from Spain, from Portugal. These are very inexpensive wines now in uh, three-liter boxes. So, and we're does go it work out to about ten dollars a bottle? Yeah, or less. Or less. Or wow, less. that's a <coughs> some, good deal. Sort of in the eight to ten dollar range. So, we'll see if we can get through some of those, get some of those tasted, and get that information out. But uh, for now. Enjoy your salad this weekend, folks, and uh, everything else. It uh, looks like it's going to be a great weekend to be outside, get on the patio, maybe visit a restaurant. Uh, 
you know, give it a chance to, to dine outside, see how you like it, and uh, live your life. Uh, I think that's all we can do. Casey, we're out of time. Thanks for joining us on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network this week, folks. Special thanks to our technical producer, Anissa Hetherington. Uh, I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And have a great weekend. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.